This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3426 for Monday, the 20th of September 2021. Today's show is entitled, Rust 101, Episode 01 in Tarnishing, and is part of the series Programming 101. It is hosted by Black Colonel, and is about 22 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, Black Colonel teaches you what Rust is and how it is different from Python or C. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. to Hacker Public Radio. My name is Black Colonel, and this is going to be episode zero of my Rust 101 series. This is inspired by something that I heard Ken and Dave say on the July uh, July Community News episode about having they wish somebody would do a Hello World program type thing or an introductory series on Rust. And so that's kind of what I'm going to be trying to do. But uh, this isn't really going to have a Rust Hello World program, and at least not this episode. That's what we're going to be doing next episode. In this episode, I just kind of want to go over what Rust is and the reasons why someone would want to use it over Python or over C. Now, I, don't, I do want to say, first of all, that Rust is the language that I use most. I use it when I want to do something that is compiled. I'll get into what that means when I compare it to Python. And it's what I use when I want to explain something to someone because it is very easy to see what the computer is doing by reading well-formatted Rust code. But anyway, uh, let's just start out with what Rust is. Rust is a what they call a multi-paradigm programming language, which basically just means it tries to do a lot of things. But the three, four-ish things, four or five things that I would say that they really define what Rust is. The first one, and kind of like the thing that's plastered over a bunch of its mottos and whatnot, is its stance on garbage collection. Now, a lot of people in Rust will say that Rust doesn't have garbage collection. Now, strictly speaking, that's not entirely true. It does not have uh, lazy garbage collection. It has what's called resource acquisition is initialization type of garbage collection. What that basically means is that things... Memory gets allocated by the computer when a variable comes into scope, and it gets deallocated when the variable leaves scope, which is a very efficient way of handling memory. Uh, A lot of programming languages don't do this. A lot of programming languages just keep everything in scope all the way through. You get stuff like globals and stuff with that sort of uh, mentality, like uh, global mutables, which are, are not actually allowed in Rust unless you put unsafe tags around it, which I'll get into more later. But essentially, memory is very, 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 very well kept track of in Rust. Like, you will not cause memory leaks unless you know you are causing memory leaks. Unless you're writing your entire thing in unsafe tags, which I'll get to later, and it is not recommended. The next kind of main pillar of Rust is strict typing with type inference. 
Now, this is something that if you're familiar with C, you should know a little bit about strict typing. Whereas every time you define a variable, you have to put like you have to put the variable type right before what the variable name is. So like let int five or whatever, like five f i v equals the number five. Terrible example since I just mixed my uh let like. I mean, if you're gonna hard code a a literal into it, you could do worse. But you you know, it's not the best example of a thing. Like let's say I don't know let char array penguin equal gen 2 or whatever that's that's an example i'm going to be using later in rust but the where you have that char array or that int type you need to have that in c every single time uh with rust it always has a type it's still strictly typed but it can infer it from whatever you're supplying as of the value so for example if you have you can write either let and then the variable name so penguin one and then you can put a colon and then whatever the type is. So a um, if you're going to do like a literal quoted string, that's going to be of type ampersand Sierra Tango Romeo str, and that equals let's say Gen two and then semicolon. Um, what that'll do is it'll create a variable with type ampersand str and set that equal to the value of Gen two. But you can also just write let penguin two equal quote Gen two end quote. And that's it, without the, the type. And it because it knows that the type of Gen2, in quotes like that, that string value, it knows that it has type ampersand str, it automatically gives that type to the variable that you assign to it. Uh, and this is really useful because it's it keeps the... It keeps you from making errors where you start mixing your types around, like can happen in uh, C++ and Python and, and stuff. Uh, but it also prevents you, but it also allows you to write less code because you don't have to always be writing the um, what type it is as long as you can keep track of it. You can write it, which will help might help you sort of visually see what type things are supposed to be. And it also helps you in troubleshooting because you can just set like if something's not working because it's saying that there's some kind of mismatch type, you can explicitly cast a variable as that type that you want it to be and see what the compiler says is the problem. And then you'll know how to modify what you're doing in order to make it the type that you want. And it, a lot of times will actually tell you in the compiler ways that you can fix that problem with typing. So that makes the compiler happy, it makes the computer happy, and it makes you happy because it makes you have to do less work when actually troubleshooting. Um, I'm going to put examples of the code in the show notes, by the way, for some of the things that I'm talking about. The next one that, I, that I'm talking about is reference pointers, which, going back to the way that memory works, where it comes in and out of scope, there, there is kind of a problem where if you have a function and you take a variable into that function, then that variable is going to be taken into the scope of that function. So when that function ends, then that variable should be deallocated and destroyed. But if you use it later in the main function then the compiler has no idea what to do because it doesn't have the ver- the the actual value there. Um, the way that it gets around that is with that ampersand operator on the type, which borrows that value to a subroutine or to a function and then destroys the reference without destroying 
the actual value. This is basically like the way that pointers work a lot of times in C, but it's a lot more elegant in the way that it's formulated, and you're not actually having to declare an actual raw pointer value in order to do this. Um, you can also dereference something that you want to be owned using the asterisk symbol, which is the, the star symbol, um, which is the way that you would declare a pointer traditionally in C. Um, so the the fourth sort of pillar of Rust is the idea of being immutable by default. So when you declare a variable, like let's say, let my num equal two, then it's going to automatically, you know, do the type inference of, you know, whatever the heck this needs to be is the type that it's going to be. Uh, and let's say you want to add one to that num. Now you can do my num equals my num plus one. Uh, but that won't actually work because you didn't declare that my num was going to be changed. So when you actually set up the variable, the way that you would do that correctly is that you would put let mute m-u-t mic uniform tango my num equal to, and then you can do my num equals my num plus one, and then you can print it out, and it will give you the actual value. It'll give you three out in that case. And the reason that it does that is because uh, if you keep things from being changed at runtime, then you can guarantee the awareness of what the memory is. So it keeps track of that this thing isn't doesn't need to be changed, which is going to limit the errors that you can encounter in your actual binary after it's compiled. Because a lot of times what can happen is that if somebody can figure out how to modify or how to make the program modify some variable that you set that can cause a lot of bugs or even exploits. Whereas if it's something that doesn't need to be modified ever, then you can just not have it be modified ever. Just takes the value it has when it was instantiated. Um, and the last thing that I, I want to talk about as far as like the pillars of Rust is this idea of unsafe mode. A lot of these things you really have to work around if you want to write, like, really low-level code, or if there's something that you know what you want to do, like, with the actual, like, low-level part of the computer, like, if you want to modify individual memory addresses or use raw pointers to point to specific memory addresses or what have you, a lot of the defaults for Rust don't let you do that because it's not safe to do in a regular program. But all you have to do is put it in, essentially, you do unsafe and then a curly brace, and then whatever code you want it to be unsafe, and then end that curly brace, and then only that part of the code will be run in what's called unsafe mode, which essentially means you can do whatever the heck you want to do, and it assumes that if you're running that code like that, that you know what you're doing, and any bugs that you introduce, you can find, essentially. So it allows you to do whatever you want to do, you just need to make sure that you let it know, hey, I know what I'm doing, I can do this. And my example for that is... What you can actually do is you can just write in C, or you can import uh, functions from C code directly into your Rust program using uh, extern command. So you can do extern, quote, the capital letter C, end quote, and then curly brace, and then you can put a function declaration in the way that you would in Rust, but with the actual val without the actual name of the function in C. So I'm using the printf example from C. So printf takes a value that's a, I mean, technically it's a character array because that's what strings are in C, but I'm using the ampersand str type, which does throw a warning on the compiler, but it can handle it, so it's mostly fine. Um, 
I just don't. I haven't. Fi- I didn't figure out how to d- actually do a character array as a Rust type per se. Uh, I mean, I guess I could have actually just done uh, whatever. Not the point. Like I actually thought of how to do it just now, but it's not super important. And also, I would need to give it a defined size, so I'm I'm not going to worry about it at the moment. The point is, is that you can have this kind of like printf is a C function, and it's you're giving it an input from a Rust type, and then you could do a semicolon to end that line and then end the curly brace, and you have that extern block, that extern C curly brace, function declaration, end curly brace. And then in your main function, you can put unsafe tags and put just unsafe open curly brace, printf, hello world, end parentheses, semicolon, and then end curly brace. And this is actually Rust syntax, but you're using the function from C. So... Rust takes the value you gave it for the argument, so hello world, puts that into the C function of printf, and runs that in unsafe mode, and just does whatever that function says to do, and then it it works. So this is actually a way of writing a hello world program in C in Rust, which is really cool to me, because it means that even if you're familiar with C, or if you have colleagues that use C, you can still use Rust and just import those functions into your program. Now I kind of want to talk about why I would use C, or rather, why I would use Rust over Python. And actually, a lot of the reasons why I would use Rust over Python is a lot of the same reasons why I would use it. Why I would use C over Python, which is that it makes it faster because it's compiled, as well as other things that kind of help with it being compiled is that it you can get help from the compiler. So if you make an error in Python. Nine times out of ten, it just doesn't even tell you what it is because it just eats that error and gives you weird output and you have to do a bunch of print statements in order to figure out what the heck happened and etc. And it's just not a lot of fun. Whereas in Rust, when you make a mistake, it will tell you exactly what your mistake is, exactly where your mistake is, and suggest some options on how you might fix that mistake sometimes. It also creates a smaller binary executable size, and this is important in... Uh, a lot of situations where you want to keep things portable, like if you want to put this program on a flash drive, for example, or if you want to put it on an SD card or something of that nature. For example, I, I run Rust programs on my phone, and it's useful because then I can compile them or cross-compile them on my computer, import in the Rust binary that's only like a few kilobytes or megabytes, and then run it on my phone, and I don't need to take up all of the the whole code base worth of um, well, the whole code base and then the whole runtime layer as well. I don't need to take up all of that memory on my phone, which is really nice. It also creates a higher throughput, which means that because it's faster and it's a smaller size, you can push more data through it and sort of it, and it will just handle it. Basically, it's also more logically consistent. So one of the things that I have a problem with in Python is that because nothing has static type, you can just get really confused and really down in the weeds of what the hell is going on in your code. Uh, it's one of the my sort of guiding principles when it comes to good programming languages is that it shouldn't abstract away the machine. Like, you should be able to follow what is happening in your code very easily because your computer is pretty stupid. Your computer doesn't, like, your computer can't make implications about, like, philosophy or whatever, at least not yet. So it shouldn't you shouldn't require those kind of implications to read your code. Uh, and so those are a lot of the reasons why I would use it over Python. Why I would use it over C is because, well, first of all, it's safe by default. So in C, there's a lot of problems where you can run into with um, 
memory leakage, which I know if you write good C, you're not going to worry about it. And you can implement a lot of the same best practices that Rust uses by default. You can implement those in C. It just requires a lot more writing of C. Like there's a lot, it's a lot more verbose to write in C, which gives me to my next point, which is that it's a lot easier to read Rust than it is to read C because a lot of the syntactic sugar and the syntax that's in Rust just makes more visual sense, at least to me. I mean, I think it I think it's kind of makes more visual sense in general, because it kind of follows a lot of the same visual cues, as it were, as, I mean, I would say as Python, but with Python, a lot of that actually has semantic value, whereas in Rust, it just looks that way. And you can actually rewrite it in a different way that's um, in a lot of different ways, like you can with C code, where you can write things as one-liners with uh, semicolon delineation and all of that but you can also but because of the way that the syntax of it is even when you do that the actual progression of the way that the code is makes a lot more sense than in c because you you have to deal with less pointers you have to deal with less weird data types because c is limited with the fact that it's translating it directly into um a phrase of assembly and because it's translating it into a phrase of assembly Assembly doesn't have stuff like strings per se. It uses arrays of characters. It uses arrays of bytes, which are translated into ASCII characters when you push them to standard output. Uh, but Rust just lets you write things as strings, and then it handles all of that in the compiler. All of that, like, computer jargony stuff. And I like that it lets me do that because I can write it as a human, but still understand it as a computer. Because... Yes, it says ampersand str. But one of the thing, things that that means is that it's a str. It's a string of characters. So it's a string of these data bytes or whatever it is, like a, of letters. And the ampersand actually tells me that it's actually referencing it from a place in memory where it has this literal stored, which does actually improve a lot of the ways that you can deal with um, sort of your understanding of the computer aspect of it. Now, a lot of people would say that this is, a lot of these things have been solved in C++, uh, but C++ is really dumb. It's a really dumb language, and it introduces a lot of errors and a lot of um, memory leaks into C. Like, it, it is meant to be more human-friendly at the expense of being computer-friendly. That's sort of what it so it boils down to, and that's why I don't use C++. I use C but I don't use C++ ever. It's just, I've tried to do it, and it is it is human-friendly, but when you're trying to debug or if you're trying to actually understand what your computer is doing with the information, it is not at all pleasant to do that. You also can get arrays and vectors and all of that in Rust, which by default aren't there in C. You would have to import libraries to that in C, or you would have to write it yourself a lot of times. But, like, the best thing about Rust, in my opinion, the thing that I, reason why I use it over C so much is because it has these two types called option and result. And what those do is that with option, if you have a value you want to be optional, you can say that its type is option, and then you can have a, a less than symbol, and then whatever type you want it to have normally, and then comma, and then none, and then a, a greater than symbol, the, the left and right sort of triangle braces. And what that'll do is that it will try to, like, if the result of whatever you're doing is, like, if it can have the type that you want it to have, then it will return a container called sum, and then the 
whatever the actual value is of the type that you want it to be. And then if it can't do that, if it's unable to assign it that type, then it returns the type none, which lets you know that it wasn't able to do that. And this makes it really easy because it's like Booleans, but with structure. And the result is a sort of the same way for functions, because what results will give you is that you can get, give it a certain type if it succeeds, like if it would return true as it were, or return exit status zero, or you can have a return a different type if it fails. So you can have a return a different string or a different like exit code or even of something of type error, which might have more information about how the error occurred within it. And so you can use these as a really, really elegant way of doing error correction and error catching in your code. And it's so nice to be able to use that because it's writing a lot of that stuff from scratch in C or Python was one of the things that gave me a headache the most. And so this just takes care of it all for you, and it's all very well integrated and very well built in. Uh, I will say that one of the things that kind of annoys me is that because everything is statically typed, you can get into situations where you get verbose, where you're doing a whole bunch of typecasting from one type to another, which can be annoying, but it's no worse than C. It's way better than C, actually. And it's it's compiled, so you don't have to deal with a lot of the slowness or a lot of the weirdness of Python or my preferred scripting language is Lua. And I would use it over Lua when I would want something to be just faster or smaller or compiled so it's a little bit more portable so you're, the person you're sending it to doesn't need to have Lua installed or doesn't need to have that particular framework installed because you're just sending them a binary. And maybe they need to have the libraries installed, but a lot of times, at least when you're running Linux, you can have a lot of those dependencies taken care of for you uh, you can use GNU Auto Tools in order to have them import all of that at compile time. You can package it in with whatever packaging so solution you want, and it'll just work. You can do a lot of that with Lua as well, where you include the runtime in the binary, but that's just a lot larger of a file and a lot more of a to-do than just including header files and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't even get into the way that modules and all of that work, which is so much better than C and Python. And oh my gosh, the directory structure in Python can go die. But um, that, those are kind of the basic points of the reasons why I like Rust and why Rust is... I'm, I'm really excited for Rust to be added into the kernel. I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I'm, I'm really excited for a lot of that stuff because Rust is a very good programming language and I think everybody should at least know about it. But I think everyone should really learn it because it is just C but better. It's what C++ wishes it was. Uh, thank you for listening to all this. Um, if you want to contact me, I will put my contact information in the show notes. Uh, and I'll talk to you guys next time where I'll be writing a Hello World program and explaining the way that Hello World programs as well as macros and uh, probably that's about it, honestly, because the Hello World program in Rust is super simple. I'll explain a little bit about Cargo as well. So I'll explain Cargo, Macros, and the Hello World program next time on Rust 101. Thank you. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. 
Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.